I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Decrypt SEO, this is the Decrypt Daily, and my name is Matthew Aaron. Today on the show, we have on David Jevons, CEO and founder of CypherTrace. And we're going to ask him why he made CypherTrace. He's pro-Bitcoin, but also helps regulation. Interesting conundrum. Coming up today on the Decrypt Daily. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Today is Friday, December 11th, 2020, and I hope that everybody has a great weekend. Please take a step back from everything, from crypto, from the news, just everything. Relax, clear your mind, come back into Monday with great new energy. I won't be here this weekend. You want to know why? Because Bitcoin has slipped past 18500 I'm going to tell you the crypto prices in just a minute. But if you've been paying attention for the past 10 days, we are running a Binance.us hoodie giveaway. And I have my four winners right here. So if you are Floating 2020, Patrick 11, Stuart Hendry, or J. Tyler Henry, please send me an email, MatthewAaron at Decrypt.co. Give me your address of where I can send these Binance hoodies to. And congratulations for winning. And thank you very much for helping the show. Now to those crypto prices. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. And I'm recording this at 3.05 Eastern Standard Time. Bitcoin is in at 18,000 even, down 1.8% from yesterday. Ethereum, 546.49, down 2.7% from yesterday. Litecoin, 71.67, down 3.9% from yesterday. Chainlink, 11.64, down 3% from yesterday. And XRP, 56.8 cents, down 1%. As much as I'm still long, as much as I'm still bullish, I will say this negative price action is really getting to be. It's it's starting to bum me out. I, I like to see up, 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 not down, down, down. It's like PTSD. Like I said, anybody who's been through the bear market knows that there is PTSD. We all have it. And we all see that we could be just sitting here for the next three years again, again, waiting for Bitcoin all-time highs. We really have never even seen it. We saw it on one exchange, all-time highs. We haven't seen that $20,000 Bitcoin mark. We want to see it. Will we see it in 2021? We're going to have to wait and see. But until then, like I said, pull away. Take some time. Decompress. Bitcoin's not going anywhere this weekend. Neither am I. I'll be back on Monday. Total market cap for all of cryptocurrency. $538.1 billion. With a BTC dominance of 62.8%. Let's pop into this chat. David Jevin, CEO of CypherTrace. I'll see you after the show. Matt's always a pleasure to talk with you. Awesome, man. Hey, so I have a conundrum. I have a question about you, your company, your ethos. Look, CypherTrace traces crypto. It helps companies track crypto. It helps governments. It helps anybody that will pay for your product, your services. Yet you guys seem to be pro-crypto, pro the space, pro the ethos. I am trying to rectify the creation of CypherTrace, your company, to the ethos of Bitcoin, to you and your personal feelings about the, the space. I don't know how to balance them because it seems as though your company is working against what Bitcoin is for. Am I right or am I wrong? Correct me. Good point, because I've had to face these issues as well. 
So I got into digital currencies back in 2000 before Bitcoin, but, you know, working with Monero, uh, sorry, um, Mondex guys, who was a MasterCard funded project on digital currencies. I met with the eGold guys, you know, who were had a gold backed digital currencies. One of my good friends ran Digicash. So, you know, I, I've been in it. And when I saw Bitcoin, of course, uh, kind of was like, this is the one. So in 2011, as you know, in the background, kind of got into mining. And I've been in the cypherpunk mailing list back in the 90s and the 2000s. And so I understand the entire thing. And, you know, I have to deal with this issue myself as well. Here's the thing. People should have financial freedom as much as possible, but there are regulations that are in place that are real, that are coming, that have been in place that we just can't do anything about as individuals. I mean, the fact is, you know, there are regulations across the banking space. There are regulations across the payment space. There are regulations across the investment space. They are adopted by most countries in the world, not all, but most so you can either help people play by the rules and try to preserve privacy as much as possible and influence policy to be able to keep crypto what it has originally been envisioned as, or you can step away and say, screw it, I'm not doing anything. And we're, we have chosen to take that you know, challenge into the governments, into the regulators to represent the market but also to provide solutions to the market when you have no choice and there is a regulation that you have to do stuff. So how do you do it quickly, easily, cheaply, and protect people's privacy as much as possible? And so that's, look, it's a difficult choice to make, but if we don't make that choice, then who's going to do it? You're going to get somebody who's just going to come in and just ham fist, do the whole thing. Um, and not stand up for the industry, not have representation at FinCEN, at Financial Action Task Force, at FCA in the UK, at MFSA and in Malta, at J, JFSA in Japan. Our view is like we want to be the bridge behind that because, you know, we understand the whole ethos behind it. But there's reality, too, of what's happening. Let me pose this analogy to you. I was thinking about this last night. Of course, I was about four beers in when I was thinking of this, so it might not work right now. But imagine you had a construction company, right? And you had this great contract and you start building this great wall and these great gates and you find out these gates are actually the gates to hell. You, you might be working for the devil. You don't even know, man. I mean, so how if this is a slippery slope, how can this work out for the future for CypherTrace that you could be setting up the infrastructure to basically tie or hog tie the Bitcoin industry. No. So we're the guys who are trying to defend the whole thing. So we're tight with the regulators. We've worked very closely with them. We put a lot of investment of time and effort to work with them, to, uh, to meet with them, to understand with them, to, you know, look at the regulations that nobody has time to deal with. You know, everyone's trying to build a company, trying to build a a coin, trying to build a DEX, you know, everyone's got their own mission to build something that's amazing. People don't have the time to deal with regulators. They don't have the time to go to Washington, D.C. and meet with the Secretary of the Treasury. And, you know, none of that's, no one pays us to do any of that. But if we don't do it, who's going to go do it? They're going to run ramrod around the whole industry. So I think it's very important that you have companies like CypherTrace, and there are others, who spend time and spend money to try to represent the industry in government 
so that they don't just, you know, either shut it down or put such restrictive regulations around it that basically ruins the entire value proposition. So, so when you're representing the, the crypto space, and I'm not coming as a skeptic, I'm not coming as a criticizer, I'm actually just trying to figure out like, what is the balance? And, and I know that you, as you mentioned just at the beginning, you've also wrestled with this question. But when a regulator in a, a, a government is coming in to say, hey, we need to get this under control, what does what do you and your company think or say to the government to say, wait, there's a better way? I'm trying to figure out how yeah. they're coming at the situation and then how you're going coming in to say, just cool down a little bit. We have a better solution for everybody. Yeah. So it's challenging that. So it comes, it, it, it's basically, um, first they identify the problem, right? Like, oh, we think this is a big problem. And then at this, you know, what we come in and say is, is that really a problem? Is terrorist financing, mm. for example, happening over crypto in any meaningful way versus other payment mechanisms that are out there today, whether it's credit cards or, you know, money service businesses or cash? That's the first thing. Then you got to come in and look at, okay, so what are the proposals around it? Now, when we want to make the arguments around um, financial inclusion, for example. So if you want to restrict crypto and you want to monitor it in this way or that way, you want to put KYC, AML around it, how does that stop financial inclusion? Because we have to look at not just the rich people, we have to look at how crypto can involve you know, disadvantaged people, folks who don't have bank accounts. We have to look at how it impacts um, the African nations, how it impacts certain European nations. You know, we want to propose that and bring that to the table around specifically, if you do this, you're going to negatively impact the ability for all these people to access financial inclusion, loaning, you know, loans, all that other stuff that can be done through crypto, monetary transfers, and we show them that. Then you have to look at, you know, what are the privacy concerns? So we come in and say like, okay, these are the privacy concerns. We understand that anti-money laundering, counter-terrorist financing are laws that have been in place since the 70s and really enforced, you know, in the 80s. And of course, after 9-11, really big time. But, you know, how, let's strike a balance here that you've got to make sure that we have financial innovation, some level of privacy, and solve your issues that you want to solve. But here's a better way to do it, you know, because slapping banking regulations on crypto, I get that that's how these people are all trained, but and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. So being able to show them there's a better way that can preserve privacy, but achieve the goals that you want, which is, you know, stopping people from blowing people up, for example, can be done in a different way. Where's the intersection between the goals that they want and the goals that you want as a company? I mostly think about like what's good for crypto and what's good for for, you know, for the community and for the world. Like we want crypto assets to be available to everyone. I do understand that, you know, anti-money laundering and counter-terrorist financing provisions were put in place for a reason. It wasn't capricious. It has built a society post-World War II that has repatriated a lot of funds to people, has created social justice for people, has stopped certain attacks for people. So there is a reason for doing it. However, we also have to balance that against bureaucrats who say, you know, 
my job is to make laws. My job is to make regulations. I'm just going to make more regulations because this is what I know how to do. And that's what I'm paid to do. So that's really what it is. When we work with regulators, we just think about like, what is the best thing to do to accomplish the goals that have been set for the last 70 years since World War II, and particularly in the last 20 or 30 years, but also protect cryptocurrency and help it grow. Now, secondarily, do I care about like how it grows our business? Sure, I would like to sell, you know, CypherTrace product to every bank so that they can bank cryptocurrency companies, man. I want, I want every bank to bank cryptocurrency companies because then mm. I will make so much money, right? <laughs> Everyone will want to invest in CypherTrace because like if every bank is using our stuff to validate cryptocurrency businesses as being safe, viable businesses, man, we're going to make so much money. I'm not in the business of like saying, hey, we're going to restrict cryptocurrency. What? Like I want it everywhere. I think the same is true of investments, right? Like we want to have it in investments. We want everybody to own one to 2% of their investment portfolio, at least in cryptocurrencies. It makes sense, if not more. And that's how I want to do it, right? So let's provide the controls, the structure, the safety so that we can go just beyond fidelity, but to other investment managers who want to bring crypto in and will drive the value of crypto up. Look, I'm long on crypto. You know, I got in in 2011 when I first bought my Bitcoins, you know, I want it to grow. But I also recognize the government pressures. You mentioned bureaucrats. Oh, uh, before I get into this question, um, if, if, before you go IPO, make sure I know about it so I can get into yeah. uh, buy, buy some stocks. But you mentioned bureaucrats. And the way that I see the government working, look, I've been podcasting in the space for uh, quite some time. I haven't seen any movement by the IRS to actually clarify things with you know, uh, investors, with purchasers, with hodlers, with airdrops, with banks. And then we see Wyoming making their their own movements in the space. And then we see, you know, Rashida Talib coming out of nowhere talking about, well, we have to start looking at stable coins and the, these banks that are coming out of Wyoming. And so I see the bureaucrats not using a innovative, creative, let's say pro innovation and capitalist kind of idea, idea or mindset coming, looking at the industry and just trying to juxtapose old laws and trying to make them fit into an emerging market, emerging industry. Am I right with that? And two, how do you convince them to put the work in, to try to think outside the box, to create legislation and policy that works for the industry? Yeah, you're right. Um, so here's the challenge around it. Um, we've got, I mean, for example, for the stablecoin side of things, I thought it was, thank God it's at least short. Not like, you know, it's a very brief thing we can all read, we can understand. We, but they're basically saying stablecoin issuers need to look like banks and have to have all that protection so we can argue mm -hmm. that or not. But at least it was short and was at least informed that it basically said stablecoins shall, you know, issuers shall look like banks, right? And shall have insurance of banks. At the end of the day, that's about driving consumer adoption and the recognition of consumer adoption. And they're trying to protect consumers. So it, I mean, I think their, their intent is good. I don't necessarily have an opinion at this point, whether it's bad or good, um, but that's what it is. Now, I think when you look at like things like the National Defense Authorization Act, HR uh, 6395, which bundles all this crap together, you know, it's a 4,500 page document at page, I can't remember the page number, but 3,201 or something is virtual currency stuff, right? So they're embedding that stuff into these broader acts. 
And this is where we need to look and and really, you know, focus our attention on on what's happening. Now, as far as your point or your question, Matthew, around um, how do you convince these guys to take a different look? You've got to focus on the people that you have the dialogue with, and you've got to understand and help them understand how crypto works and why different methodologies that they're looking to apply won't work. So, for example, we work with, you know, CypherTrace works with FinCEN, I would say, probably twice a month. So that's the regulator of most financial um, institutions in the United States, as well as payment networks. We work with the Financial Action Task Force, or so-called FATF, which is a group that is based in Europe that has 190 regulators from different countries. And we work with them every month, and we're one of the few private companies that are involved with helping set policy, guide policy. We get the front end of it. So we get the front end of the spear. So they, for example, contacted us last week and said, hey, we're, we're thinking about this issue, which requires a whole ton of data. So can you tell us about data of criminal activity across these different cryptocurrencies, this period of time, P2P wallets versus um, hosted wallets, non-custodials, et cetera, DeFi, et cetera. So we can see we're at the tip of the spear. We can see where it's going and that's where we can try to implement policy or at least guidance around how you could do it better. You know, some of it is ingrained, right? Because you've got people that have been in regulatory for 20 years, right? They know how to regulate banks and they know how to regulate credit cards. Mm -hmm. And maybe they figured out like 15 years ago, like, well, how we regulate PayPal. That's the body you've got. So then you have to look at how do you give them that view on crypto, which is it's not that way. And there's a better way. And there's better ways that are private privacy preserving that give you way better control on the bad guys, but preserve everybody else's. And that's just an educational effort that, you know, at CypherTrace, we've dedicated ourselves to. It's costs a lot of money. We get no, you know, financial benefit from it, but it's the right thing to do for the crypto markets. And our view is if the crypto markets grow, we grow with it. You know, you brought a good point with PayPal, but we saw the same thing with PayPal, Amazon, and other emerging industries. Like we, they, nobody knew how to tax um, internet transactions and purchases for the longest time. Is it sales tax? Is it how, how does that work? You know, and but we we saw that they had to you know really just adapt to the emerging innovations that are coming out. Yeah. And the, the slower that they adapt to emerging emerging innovations, the more that you stifle the innovation. But totally. we've seen this over and over and over again. And we we know this pretty innately at this point. Why do you think you still have to force the hand? You and I work in the crypto markets, right? So we understand like it's what you build, how you build it, how cool it is, how you work with people. What is the actual functional innovation? We're dealing with folks who don't come from that industry, right? We're dealing with folks who are lifelong government employees they're well-educated. They're not stupid. They're really not. There's a lot of smart people in there, but you know, they come from a space of my job is to regulate. And then they look at the last 20 years of regulation, 30 years, 40 years of regulation and go, well, my job is to do, you know, N plus one, you know, like if you're a, if you're a bicycle person or you're a motorcyclist, like how many bikes do you need in your garage? N plus one. It's the same in regulation, right? How many regulations do you need? N plus one. And I get bonused on the plus one. Mm -hmm. So that's what these guys are doing. And they're they're doing it from this long list of how they were educated, what degrees they got, what their boss says. 
I mean, that's just a fact, right? So what we need to do is continue to work on educating them. This is a whole different space and they get it. They understand the value. When you start to talk about central bank digital currencies, people are getting it. Like, wait, we need to exchange paper and shiny bits of metal in a post-COVID environment? Really? That's what we're going to do? So people are getting it, but they don't come with an educational background where anyone in crypto comes from, which is how it works, how decentralization works, how trust models work. We have to educate them in this area. Dave, I'm going to get off here in a minute, but I have one last question for you before I go, because I want you to paint me a picture of how you think regulation should be in the future for crypto. Like if I was just going to teleport myself five years in the future, what do you think crypto would look like built into the U.S. banking system or society? And what do you think the regulations will look like? So I firmly believe that in five to 10 years, every major government's going to implement a, uh, a cryptocurrency-based digital currency. You just have to. China's leading the way. Smaller countries, the Bahamas with the sand dollars leading the way. So you can see financial inclusion. And unfortunately, you can see, you know, trying to take over the global economy on China's side and uh, regrettably, you know, mm-hmm. Surveillance, right? So what we need to have is like a, a middle ground here, which is everyone's going to deal with digital currencies. It's going to be super widespread, but we need to have privacy and controls in the middle and let the endpoints do what they do best. So the endpoints, meaning the fiat conversion rail. So the banks, they do their stuff. The crypto exchanges do their stuff. Everything in between, who cares? Right, Matt, if I send you money, who cares? That should just be like between us, we can do it. When it gets cashed out, if it's a bad guy, then do it there. So it's really about like controlling the edge points, which Mm. is using the laws we already have. We don't need new laws. Put in what we have, just implement it and get people to, you know, get that stuff going. That's how I think it's going to go because then we can have a thriving economy that is global where we see crypto assets really becoming probably 30, 40% of the market rather than where we are right now, which is, you know, maybe 5%. So let me just translate this to see if I got it. You mean the regulations should happen in the on-ramps and the off-ramps. Once you have the KYC AML and you know know who's on-ramping, it was getting into digital, no matter what digital it is, if it's a CBDC or a Bitcoin or Ethereum or whatever, whatever happens in the digital land, it doesn't matter. But when they take that out, then we have the same kind of checks and balances. Is this what I'm hearing? Yeah. yeah. Makes sense to me. Makes sense to me. Dave Devins, CEO of Cypher Trace. Thank you very much for coming on the show and just chatting. Thanks, sir. Good chat. And that's all for this week's episodes of the Decrypt Daily. I will not be back this weekend because it's under 18,500. Like I said, I am going to be back on the weekends only if it is over 18,500. I want to be here for when Bitcoin bulls past 20,000 and make sure everybody has the news through that cycle. But if I don't have to be here, I won't. So I'm going to chill, take a step away, come back with fresh eyes for the news next week because I know a lot of stuff is going to happen over the weekend and I want to be fresh to prepare for you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And remember, you can reach out to me, Matthew Aaron at Decrypt.co. And don't forget to go over to iTunes, leave us a rating, a comment, subscribe. It helps us stay visible. Happy hodling, everybody, and have a safe weekend.